How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Good morning to you and welcome back in. Hour number two of Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score. A fascinating Game three of the World Series, which extended into the three o'clock hour you hated Eastern it. time. You hated it. I did not hate it. You hated it. Your team lost. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's my dad's team, and it was my team growing up. But I'm still, it's still my dad's team. My, my pops at 85 was involved in like six or seven different text threads last night, all the way through the game. The whole family on our text thread fell asleep at some point. I missed like an hour sometime at like 8.15 to 9.15. My dad was awake for every pitch of that thing, and he loves the stress. He absolutely is addicted to the stress of every pitch of a baseball game like that. With with all the decades of uh, frustration trying to win a World Series and now going for their fourth uh, World Series championship since 2004, it's it's an incredible turnaround for a Red Sox fan, something that – Cub fans are hoping and expecting for their franchise and something the White Sox fans are hoping to build toward. I mean, the fact that here in Chicago, you you never had uh, hardly any teams going back to back, even to the playoffs mm-hmm. since 1969 uh, World Series, never before that where they went to the World Series consecutive years, except for uh, uh, two, uh, 1906 through 1908. So, um, the idea that you're supposed to be good, you're supposed to be great every year, it's kind of kind of new here in Chicago, but it's uh, certainly resonating. There is local backdrop to everything in this World Series, and so many of those Red Sox are guys that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and or Jason McLeod uh, drafted or scouted. The fact that the Red Sox have been able to extend their window Pretty consistently from 2004 as a big market team. A couple of down years mixed in there, but then they would turn it around. There was the bailout trade with these same Dodgers where Josh Beckett and Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford went that way. They find a way to expand the window and then sign the right free agents. And the Red Sox, uh, in the midst of a, of a tremendously successful window but didn't, haven't had a title in five years, Decide to spend a lot of money on J.D. Martinez, and here we are. He's one of the best players in the game and one of their two best players, and the Cubs have a decision to make about reinvesting a ton of money into the free agent market, too. It's ironic that in consecutive years you have Chili Davis as the hitting coach of the Boston Red Sox in 2017, and he's let go basically why? Because... The Red Sox only hit 165 home runs in 2017. They weren't producing the the runs that they wanted to, and therefore they wanted to get a different message, and they wanted to get back to the 200 plus home run team that they that all teams want to be right now. He's fired. Uh, they this year they they go up uh, 55 home runs as their total, but. 43 of those are J.D. JD. Martinez. Mm -hmm. Now you're looking at the Cubs. They fired Chili Davis a year later. (laughs) Uh, The reason for it is 
that the launch angle and the home runs and the slug were not there. Uh, they had dropped from 223 homers to 168 this year, which is a, a an enormous drop. And they are going to go back and try to find their swerve as a home run hitting team. But can they do it without adding a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. I love uh, finding your swerve uh, dropped there by Bruce Levine. Um, This hour is brought to you by Webb Chevy, searching for a great deal on Chevys in Chicago. Visit Webb Chevy in Plainfield or Oak Lawn. So you've got the Red Sox, who were a very good contact and and somewhat situational hitting team last year. They have added that power to the mix as you try to be malleable as a roster and do both things. The Cubs, as a power team, tried to add the contact and the situational, and it seems to have failed. That that nuanced right. message seems to have failed, especially in the second half. Uh, to answer your question, yes, I think you reinvest and you get somebody to revitalize your lineup. You get somebody to single-handedly bring numbers like J.D. Martinez brought to the Red Sox and also to somebody with a great mentality. If you believe that Harper's mentality and approach as an offensive player is exactly what you want your guys to espouse, let it permeate the lineup a little bit as they watch him do his thing. That has certainly happened with the Red Sox. So I wrote a story on 670thescore.com. You should go there and read all our great writers on all the sports, uh, including our hosts on all of our shows take time to write out. So a lot of great content there for you as well. But um, this week I wrote about the practicality of Harper and the Cubs and that the price of poker is going to start at 10 years and $350 million. So do they have the money first of all, Bruce? uh, Do they have the money? Great question. They will start this offseason – if you include Cole Hamill's $20 million option that most people believe they'll pick up and try to finagle in some ways getting it to a two-year deal, but you're still going to owe 20 for this year, they will start with a $210 million payroll. To right, right as of November 1st, whenever free agency starts, they, their commitment is $210 million. Uh, if they pick up the options on Strope, mm-hmm. if they pick up the option on uh, on Hamels, their commitment, and, and that's there's there's a few million dollars figured in there for uh, the arbitration players, which I already put in. What's, so what's the number? Two ten. Two ten. Um, for reference, the Red Sox had the highest payroll in baseball this year at two twenty eight. The Dodgers, number three at 199. That, according to Spot Track, some so, sites do it differently. So let's say the real number for the Cubs this year is about 245. Mm-hmm. That's probably the real number before you escalate to an area over 246, where because of the competitive balance tax, you're not only having to pay a fine, but you're going to lose players. Now, they're, not, they're willing to pay that tax this year. Right, they're willing to well, go into they're that. They're willing to go into it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not going to be severe. It's only severe when you've gone two years in a row. That's when it starts. The, the multiple kicks in, and there's also layers uh, up until uh, 230 to 246, uh, where you're paying uh, a certain multiple on it, and then above 246, you start paying in draft picks, and that's when it gets really dicey. Nobody wants to do that. But so this to is, answer your question yeah. directly. Yeah, creativity-wise, they can do it, okay. and I think they will do it. And uh, the reason that 
they'll be doing it going towards 2020 and adding is you'll have next year you'll have 15 million coming off the books from um, John Lester from Ben Zobrist. Oh, Zobrist, okay. 20 million coming off the books after 2020 with John Lester. Um, hopefully, Matt, the switch will occur where they will be able to turn over the payment of their money, which is mostly going toward pitching right now, which is over a hundred million for the starting pitchers alone. Turn that over into position players that they have to pay coming up here and that the young pitching in the organization Mm -hmm. continues to develop so that they get two, three, and four young starting pitchers with contract control that will be viable in their rotation the next two or three years. Well, this is your moment. Your winning window is completely right now. And you went for it last year with Darvish and Chatwood to round out the rotation. Disastrous, as we know. Still made the playoffs. 195 games. Uh, Yep. Um, So now is another opportunity. This is your moment again. Um, And, you know, Theo Epstein's strength has always been the creation of a culture within an organization, the creation of a minor league way and a manual and a scouting mechanism to build an organization from the ground up. And he did it phenomenally well. Now we get to a dicier part of his resume, which is throwing enormous dollars at free agent contracts, which has been very much hit and miss in Boston and obviously here. The other part of that is that Theo has been in situations where ownership is committed to winning. Yes. Okay. So he he picked very carefully, like the Cubs picked carefully, going after him. He needed to know the commitment from Tom Ricketts from Crane Kenny when they sat down and talked about coming to the Cubs. It's a good point. You think he asked yeah. directly something like, hey, he, if we're he, in year he, seven or year eight, can talk, we go ahead and do this? In his first press conference, he talked about uh, this commitment over the next 10 years that we want to be viable and go deep into the playoffs seven or eight years out of the next 10. The, the, the only way you do that is by making a commitment, going after free agents, making great trades, building your farm system, and then having your owner support you when some of those free agent deals don't work out. And you can move on, and you can pick up a Daniel Murphy, and you can pick up um, a Cole Hamels Mm -hmm. during the season and continue, and you won't hear from the owner saying, you know what, Um, we don't have the money to do that. Instead... It's about winning and moving forward and being able to pay the price of poker. As you look at this moment, the Cubs are, well, they're going to have to pay top dollar for Bryce Harper if that's the way they go. It's amazing that the Red Sox were able to get J.D. Martinez last year for five years and $110 million. That is a bargain right. for, for, for where, where things that started? are. It, it started with Boris asking for what, 175 200. or two, 200? Okay, 200. And they ended up at 110 after a long protract, protracted wait where Boris, everybody assumed it was the Boris Red Sox. Boris promised Martinez that uh, the bidding will be at the 200 level. He had just left his agent, Rob Garber, yeah. who's a local agent here, who had been with him forever, you know, taking care of the kid from the time he was in Class A on. Mm-hmm. And he left for, you know, Scott's. Uh, you know, we're going to get you $200 million. And, uh, you know, they, they got a really nice average, and he can opt out, I think, after the second or third year. And AAV is $25 million per year the first couple of years. Yeah. So, so uh, that's impactful. But 
you know, in reality, uh, you and I can say $350 million for Harper. Someone's going to have to offer it. So the question is, if they do that, if you do that and you add Bryce Harper and you, you figure out how to do it financially and live with yourself and the competitive balance tax and all of that, in terms of roster construction, I mean, the way that he, they talked about it, it was clear that some trades were going to be in play this offseason anyway. You're looking at trades possibly of Schwarber, um, Ian Happ. I mean, those are the first two names that right. come to mind. And maybe Al Mora, and you play Hayward and sometimes Harper in center field or sign another uh, low-money, uh, good defensive outfielder to have. Well, I mean, what, like a few a few substantial changes could be What if Hayward apps out of the $110 million he, still owed? He's, he's not going to, though. He's, it, it's, so many of these guys with the opt-outs are not. I don't think Cole, uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to opt out. No, $65 million for two years. Right. I, I, so you know, is he it, really going to get uh, an AAV of thirty-one or thirty-two million dollars? No, he, he might get an extra thirty or forty or fifty million dollars over a longer I w- I deal. Give it to him I think because, a lot of people wouldn't because he's he's starting to break down. Right, he's at ninety point four miles per hour. I mean, four you know, years of, of velocity. Two hundred innings for eight or nine years. That's uh, you know you're going to have some attrition. Now, where they have done well, I think, is in a lot of trades. You look at Theo's history with trades figuring out what teams are not getting the most out of their guys, and they'll have an opportunity to do that if they do indeed decide to deal the likes of Schwarber, Happ, and or Almora. The bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to White Sox outfield or or third baseman, first baseman, DH, Matt Davidson, about converting to becoming a relief pitcher as well as a position player. So don't miss that. Uh, In the meantime, Jay, Mike, Joe, we'll get to you uh, after – a break here. You want to take one call before we go? Oh, what? Sure, let's do it. This is Mike in Forest Park on 670 The Score. What's up, Mike? Thanks for hanging on. Hey, guys. I don't know who was doing the radio broadcast last night, but, I mean, they were really torching Machado, rightfully so, for not running that ball out. And, you know, maybe he's in the right spot because Puig did the same thing twice last year in the playoffs, which is just incredible. But was an interesting comment. The color guy, whoever it was on the radio. Uh, I think it's Chris was- Singleton. Chris Singleton, he was talking about that he had had a conversation with the general manager of one of the teams that was in, in the hunt for Machado. And his summation of Machado was, he's a very talented guy, but I'm not sure if I want him to be the face of our franchise. And that's something I think the Cubs have got to think about. Well, I think that Machado's not going to be a Cub. I, 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 and, you know, some of the stuff that you've seen, some of the stuff that you've heard last night, Folks around the game have heard uh, the Dodgers are not going to go down that path. Now, they have Corey Seager, but they've also had several instances of seeing him not hustle the way that he did again last night. And he was contrite last night. But you know what? But Matt, again, there it was. Are, are, we, are we immune to that, knowing that these talented players are now watching their home runs and that uh, that's just something you have to deal with because – that is what they're bringing to the game. I mean, if they're someone's good enough, gonna, someone's going to sign Manny Machado without a doubt. Someone's going to pay him a lot of money. But don't you think the number of teams that are willing to do it has has narrowed based on this postseason alone? I think it has. I, th- I, th- I think it is today because free agency hasn't begun. When you're trying to repair your team and put a difference maker in that lineup, and you see how few difference makers might be there as far as free agency. Mm-hmm. You might talk yourself into something that you don't agree with right now. Let the Phillies do it. 
Let, go and, ahead, and, and I think that's a good call, right? I go ahead and let the Phillies do it. Let somebody else do it. I mean, Machado last night hits a deep drive off the wall and gets a single out of it, not busting his hump, and he knew it right away, and he apologized after. But it's just it keeps look, happening. Look, Harper has he uh, doesn't care, Harper, and Harper had issues like that a couple of times. Issues. He's sure? he's an anti-hero everywhere he goes, which is cool because uh, at home. He'd be right there with the most popular players that ever played, mm-hmm. getting 40 home runs, you know, driving in 100. Walk, he walked 110 times this year, and he had a bad first half. His second half made it into a, a pretty good season. But the talent and the left-handed power uh-huh. that he would bring, uh, you know, if you can imagine the murderer's row of – Harper, Bryant, Rizzo, you know, I mean, that is, you know, that is. That's what lineups, that's what great lineups look like these days. And and Epstein and Hoyer have always looked to be great, not good. Yes, and and Bryce Harper, as you pointed out, age 26 on the front end of the prime, theoretically. play the whole year at 26. At 26. This is not a 30, 31-year-old guy. Right. And a lifetime OPS of 900, lifetime OBP of 388. I, I think right. they're going to do it. If they can make the finances right. work, I think and they're doing it. And one step further, they have a new TV network that they're beginning in uh, February of 2020 for the 2020 season. You need star entertainers for that network. It's 670 to score. I'm Matt Spiegel. He is Bruce Levine, as always. It is inside the clubhouse. We'll come back and take some more of your calls and your texts and Matt Davidson at the bottom of the hour as well on the score. Welcome back in on inside the clubhouse. 670 the score is where you are. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. A lot of guys um, into the Bryce Harper to the Cubs conversation. You guys are feeding the insatiable fangirl inside me that wants Harper, Brian, Rizzo, Baez. That's Alana. In Lockport, uh, some worried that a Harper signing means of, means eventually Chris Bryant walks away. Conceivable, well, he's under contract till two thousand through two thousand twenty-one. So you've got these next you couple got, of years on lockdown. You have three years of him. So if he comes back to being Chris Bryant again, it's just it's gravy when you're adding a guy like Harper. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> excuse me, the. Um, the the way the excuse me Matt yeah the, uh, the way the Cubs go about their business there is no reason to think they won't add a great player if they can I mean especially after the power outage this year some of it can be attributed to the fact that Bryant wasn't uh, Bryant this year that he was mm-hmm. hurt and that he came back he wasn't the same player thirteen home runs compared to twenty nine compared to thirty eight the two previous years. Uh, you could say all's well in Cubville if you don't add, but if you're wrong about some of the development of Schwarber, Hap, Contreras, and you're back to a 170 home run team, uh, are you really going to be where you want to be? I, I say the economics are right. You know, you go for it. I think th- what interests me is as I look further down the free agent list in the middle infield, trying to find a real good glove that they could pair with Javier Baez defensively, because it's not going to be Daniel Murphy. I know Theo left the door open yesterday. It struck me as just conversation. Last year, Ben Zobrist was the defensive replacement for Daniel Murphy by yeah. season's end. That's hey, not hey, going to be the way things are. He's a real are. good defender. Uh, he's, he's an outstanding defender, but he has no range. Right. He's got 10 feet of yeah, range. I mean, he's, he played three different positions. 130 games and made one error this year, but that really is not uh, indicative of what you want as far as 
um, you know, as far as range factor goes for a second baseman or a shortstop. There are some older free agents like DJ LeMayhew at age 30, who's a fine defensive second baseman yeah, and Gold Glover. and a contact hitter to boot and a former Cub, obviously. Be, uh, beware of Coors Field players. Uh, it's certainly, and, and even if it's not in terms of power guys, just... You know, guys who who hit around to those that big outfield and spray little yeah. singles. You in know, there. the thing about Coors, Matt, as you just pointed out, is because the ball flies there, outfielders play deeper. Yep. Therefore, it's really the base hits that fall in at that ballpark that really kill you, not necessarily the home run. Jed Lowry is uh, going to be 35, but uh, had a tremendous couple of years here in a row in, in Oakland, and is a is, is is a guy who was a Theo Epstein player in Boston. I I wonder about a guy like Jose Iglesias, who's a terrific defensive shortstop, uh, because I don't think Addison Russell's going to be here. Right. Um, so you, you, they, they, they'll need to find somebody else who can play great defense. And I think I think defense in the outfield, too, has, has been an issue. I don't know if they can keep, uh, and I don't think right. they will keep lumbering well, Schwarber and, out there. And especially you, you watch the Boston Red Sox. Three three, three center fielders, three center fielders right, out there. Right, thank you. I mean, the, the idea that uh, they can go out there and win games defensively and it goes unnoticed, but not really for the baseball fan, the, the baseball executive, the baseball scout, who sees plays being made that aren't generally made by other left fielders and right fielders when you have – Three, as you say, center field playing the three outfield positions. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Sick of paying for high-priced Chicago parking? Well, the Chicago Wolves are celebrating their 25th anniversary season with rolled-back free parking presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Kia dealers. Visit ChicagoWolves.com for information. And the bottom of the hour is brought to you by Marvin Design Gallery by Evanston Lumber. They feature Marvin windows and doors for new construction, remodels, and replacement. Visit their showroom in Lake Bluff or find them online at Marvin by Evanston evanstonlumber.com today. We are pleased to bring in the third baseman, the first baseman, the DH, and a pitcher Mm -hmm. in 2019, our friend uh, Matt Davidson. Nice enough to join us from Arizona this morning and join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Matt. Hey, good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, you know, you you and I talked a lot about this idea that you – you know, you you wanted to take your game a little further to become a pitcher, and uh, now you've you've been sanctioned by the White Sox to go ahead and do this in the off season. Here, tell us a little bit about where that's going to uh, take you this off season, and and how you initially go about it. Um, you know, for now, I'm uh, just kind of gaining some information, talking to some friends, talking to. Uh, you know, some old pitching coaches that I used to work with and uh, just kind of see when guys start throwing their throwing program and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I'm going to do a little bit more uh, conditioning cardio this off season. And then, but as far as the workouts are going to be pretty similar, do some maybe a little more arm care stuff, but, uh, and then obviously focus on the throwing and, and the mechanics of that, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we got so much time in the off season. Uh, we really have nothing to do other than train. So, uh, it really is not much of a burden to do a little bit extra and uh, really excited to kind of explore the idea. And it's something that, you know, like I've talked to you about that I really have done from really that's how I even came to love baseball was through pitching because I was, I was really good at it. And that's what I did 
and really until my second half of my high school career. So uh, it's something that I really enjoy. It's something that, um, you know, it's not like a, it's not tough going out and to work on pitching, you know, whereas, uh, you know, maybe if someone wasn't necessarily wanted to do, I wouldn't do it. You know, I happened to be there that night in Texas, actually, Matt, when you came in and pitched. I think you struck out Odor, Rugnet Odor, with yeah. uh, with nasty breaking stuff and walked off the mound with confidence. And I was like, what is going on here? And it was so so much fun for, for all of us to watch during the course of the year. Um, you know, how do you, how do you balance trying to do everything here in the off season? And, uh, and, and do you think about that this might be a legitimate way to extend what has been, um, you know, a a major league career that has gone longer than a lot of people already? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I I think this is just kind of where the game is trending. I mean, obviously we're all watching the world series games and, you know, you got, you know, in LCS MVPs and stuff sitting on the bench and coming in halfway during the game. I just think, um, I think this is what the game's going to be going to kind of going to come to is, is, you know, I mean, as far as preparing, you know, all you see, you see the Dodger guys, I mean, they're, they play three, four different positions, you know, um, Cubs guys kind of do the same thing. Right. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of guys are, it, 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 now it's, it's matchups, it's righty lefty stuff. It's, you know, who's on the mound and then, you got to be able to when you're switching so much as a player, uh, you know. Nowadays, you got to be able to to fill in different spots and to, you know to stay on the field. So uh, I think that's you know something that will be unique with the situation, and I think something you know we've seen a couple teams do it this year where they've thrown a pitcher out of position, you know, and they brought them back in or something like that for a righty. A lefty comes in, they put them at third or first. I think the Rays did that, you know, and I think that's something that, uh, you know, I would, that would bring, I would bring value in that situation. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think I could be pretty good at it, you know, putting some work in and, um, you know, and like, like, you know, I've, I've kind of made this a point, you know, I, this is nothing like discrediting, uh, you know, a relief pitcher and stuff like that, because I mean, being a relief pitcher is, uh, um, you know, obviously in the big leagues is, really hard um you know i mean i was so sore after the after that third game and, and uh you know those guys i mean you know this is no, no way just thing i could just run in and be a relief pitcher this is more so you know using you know my arm as a you know as a way to save the bullpen arms in, in games that um you know are kind of out of reach or you know you're down six seven or kind of sim- you know something similar to where i was pitching um you know those games always happen during the year, and then also on the, on the other end where we're winning by five or six. You know, I think uh, you know, and, and get me in there in the ninth inning. I think that would be, you know, something where you know would benefit those bullpen guys and make them better. Where you know, if they, you know, get rid of that inning here and there through those long stretches of games and make them stronger. You know, for you know when games that count. You know, or something like that. Like you know, a game where you know you're we're going to face a you know, a, a good team and we have a long stretch and, you know, maybe we're playing a team that we're beating up pretty good. And, you know, that's a perfect situation for me to go in there and save that pen and, you know, and leave, leave our guys or, you know, even, even our middle setup guys to, you know, the better teams or the, or the better lineups and whatnot. So uh, I think, it, I think it would be a, you know, a great value and uh, asset to a team. And, you know, and, all, and on top of that, you know, I think, 
as you guys probably saw when you were interviewing me, you know, it puts a smile on my face. I really enjoy doing it. Well, so. it's fun for everybody. And again, like you said, uh, you don't you don't want to take anything away from other people who've worked so hard their whole career to get to that point. But you come in without any training uh, in recent time, throwing 92 with good breaking stuff and a uh, history of it from back when you were in high school. And now, do you think going uh, out in training, as you said, cardio is such a huge part of what you have to do as a as a pitcher. Do you think that type of training – that you might be able to add some velo after you get uh, your mechanics, you know, in sync with uh, some of the pitching people. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I've gotten a pretty good first look. Um, you know, there's, there's one guy who taught me how to pitch was Jim Holden back in Utaipa in California. And he, he really got me <clears throat> pretty much everything, uh, you know, I know. And, and he really got my mechanics down when I was younger. And then, uh, I checked out Dave Coggin. He, he's out in Upland, and uh, one of his pitchers is Joe Kelly. So um, he's obviously having a great postseason. So, uh, hmm. you know, try to go to those guys and, and uh, learn some mechanics and hopefully pick up a couple miles an hour and, and also just be a little more efficient and use my arm better, use my body better. And, uh, you know, so you don't tax yourself as much, um, you know, and obviously keeping the arm healthy and everything like that. Um, you know, I think the I think the the hardest part will just be uh, benefit. You know, I mean, using different arm angles. You know, at first and third, and, and then pitching. Obviously, you know, you don't you see a pitcher. You know, most of the time they're throwing the same way every single time. So, uh, <clears throat> um, I think that's something that will be the hardest balance of it. You know, and obviously, and also, kind of managing the stress level of the arm, you know, if you're going to be playing first and third um, and then pitching, you know, I need to be able to play first or third the next day, you know, or at least DH and then the next day off, you know, the next day playing or something like that. So uh, I think that's going to be the feel of how to work that. And uh, and that's going to have to go with the training and make sure the arm is, you know, capable of, of uh, rebounding like that. 670, the score is where you are. Three players in the history of baseball have had 20 or more homers in a season and made at least three appearances as a pitcher. They are Babe Ruth in 1919, Shohei Otani in 2018, and Matt Davidson in 2018. It's, it's remarkable. But, and your perspective on it is just, it, it's, it's, it's refreshing and, and kind of it's nice to hear um, kind of healthy, like what kind of tool you could be for, uh, for a team on a 25-man roster. So if you're up watching these games, Matt, how are you watching them? What are you thinking about? It? Are you second-guessing managers along with the rest of us, even though we don't know stuff? Or are you just watching and looking at the way guys are attacking at bats during these World Series games? Last night was fascinating. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I I think first and foremost, uh, I think playoffs are my favorite time. Uh, I really enjoy just being a fan and watching them. Um, you know, I love putting the TV on here. You know, it's five o'clock here on the West Coast. Um, you know, enjoy doing that. And then, uh, you know, I, and honestly, how my mind works, baseball season really doesn't end until the World Series ends. You know, so I don't even feel like the off season really has started yet until you know, that last game is played. It's just when baseball is done, now the offseason starts. So I love watching the games. And, and uh, yeah, you know, the baseball is so hard, you know. I mean, it seems like when you're clicking all the right, you know, when you're pressing all the right buttons and everything's working, that's when you win. And then when you don't, 
you know, like you send a certain guy up there and he strikes out or he hits a home run. You know, I just, I think it's, that's what's beautiful about baseball is that it never works this right all the time, you know? I mean, that that's kind of just where it comes from. And I think uh, this series is, is pretty awesome. I mean, the Red Sox are, are obviously a great team, you know? I mean, they uh, they could just put it all together, you know? I think that's the coolest part. I think that's something that we want to do with the Sox is, is uh, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll base hit you to death and then they'll hit that homer, you know, where, you know, obviously you can kind of see the Dodgers where it's a little hard, more hard or having a hard time maybe manufacturing as many runs. Um, and and the biggest thing that stood out to me was um, after that first inning, Walker Buehler had 24 pitches <laughs> and they struck out three times. Right. Like, I think that was really cool. I mean, because I mean, you saw it, I mean, he was trying to manage that pitch count the whole game. And, uh, you know, that's something. And I remember that's something that Ricky Renneria told me. Um, you know, one time I, I had a rough game and I think I struck out three times. And, uh, um, but I, I used a lot of pitches. I think I had seven, eight pitches every time. And, uh, you know, like, yeah, I know you're frustrated with that, but if you look at the grand scheme of things with those pitches, you know, that's contributing to the team as far as getting that pitch count up, you know, and getting that guy out of there in the fourth or fifth. And, uh, you know, I thought, and I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, obviously you never want to strike out, but, you know, if you could put a good battle like you saw, I mean, you had, you know, bets, Bogarts, and Moreland, I mean, three really good hitters, and they all struck out. The result wasn't good, but yet, I mean, he had 22 pitches after the first inning. So, uh, you know, I, I thought that was, that's just so cool how even, you could say the Red Sox so-called struggled in those first couple or first seven innings, but they got his pitch count to 105. I mean, but he, I mean, he obviously went seven, so that was a great performance by him. He had some really good innings to get that pitch count down, but I mean, that stuff puts stress on the pitcher, you know? Um, and uh, I thought that was cool. That was a big thing that stood out to me. Matt Davidson, our guest and inside the clubhouse for a few more minutes, Matt, uh, as far as the team goes, uh, Matt, uh, my partner, Matt Spiegel, and I were talking about the fact, you know, people were calling about Ricky and will he be uh, the manager years from now or a couple years from now when you guys are uh, in the real competitive mode. And uh, from from a big, from a player's perspective who saw him come in two years ago as the manager and the evolving of the team and uh, the players and then going into this year um, – how how has that changed, and and how does that message not get uh, worn out because of the fact that he does so much teaching and uh, so much positive reinforcement on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's not necessarily um, him or his message that gets worn out. I think it's more the losing, <clears throat> you know that that is the frustrating part. Um, you know, losing a hundred games is nothing that anybody wants to do. You know, and so I think when you, you know, you hear the teaching, when you hear, you know, the positive uh, message that he's bringing every single day, um, I think because you're losing could be, um, you know, the frustrating part. But, you know, we all believe in, you know, his message. And obviously you can't go negative and stop, you know, start not caring about anything. That's not going to, that's not the way how you reverse this situation right now, you know. So we all know that it is the right thing to do what he is, um, you know, telling us and preaching to, you know, the whole team and staff that this is, I mean, this is a way to turn it around, you know, obviously 
he was there with the Cubs and, and, you know, he was right there before they turned it around and he was put in in the right direction. So, um, you know, we, uh, it just, it's part of, I mean, baseball is hard and, you know, life in general is hard at times. And when things aren't going your way, you know, you got to fight it. And, and, uh, you know, it might not be the happiest of times in your life, you know, like that hundred game season obviously wasn't the coolest thing we've ever done in our careers, but, um, you know, it's something that, you know, we started at the bottom and, you know, now we're on our way at the top and, and, uh, you know, we got to keep on building on that. And, and I think losing that many games definitely puts a super sour taste in your mouth. And that's something that, um, you know, we're always going to remember. And it's something that from the Springs, you know, this off season, I really think that everybody's going to have a little more chip on their shoulder next year. Um, because we do not want to go through this again at all, you know. Um, and I think uh, I think it's going to be really good. I think everybody's going to show up at this camp in, in shape and and uh, really excited for what's to come in the future. Well, Matt, we're going to have uh, Rick Hahn on our show next week, so we'll be able to remind him that when he goes to sit down and talk to you about a contract this year, that he puts in third baseman, first baseman, DH, and pitcher as a part of the equation. So uh, we're, we're hoping all, all that works out for you here in the off season. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining Matt and I today and uh, keep up the good work. We'll see you uh, not too long. Uh, Sox fest down the road. And then uh, before you know it, it'll be uh, Glendale, Arizona. Awesome guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks okay, Matt. Thanks. Pre- appreciate it. Matt uh, Davidson, not yet in his off season because the world series is still going on. That's the way he sees it. But uh, a pitcher, Infielder, DH. Yeah, man. Take out the trash when you have to. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I like his idea about, you know, projecting himself. He's he's a guy that has struggled as far as the old metrics go, as far as uh, batting average. He has brought his power game up to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees himself being a more than a uh, an outfielder or an infielder or a or a DH, but more a uh, a man for all seasons than a pitcher. How about you age into a Mark Reynolds who could pitch once or twice a week? You know, I mean, what, well, what, that's that's be incredibly valuable for a for a major league roster. I think he's got a chance to do it because when you come out cold and you're throwing 92 and you got a great breaking ball with any training whatsoever, I, I think you got a chance to at the very least save the bullpen in a credible way you know, maybe four or five times a month to the point where it's, it is hugely beneficial to the team. It's 670 the score inside the clubhouse for a few more minutes here. We'll be right back. And then at the top of the hour, Steve Rosenblum and I, Matt Spiegel will continue on the score. Wait, where's my mind? You're asking Zach Withers. My mind is on world series game four, which starts tonight. How ravaged is the Red Sox pitching staff? Does Chris Sale start? On uh, Apparently, Alex Cora said, Bruce, and it's inside the clubhouse for a few more minutes on the score. Alex Cora said that people were lined up outside his office last night saying they wanted to start. This included Chris Sale, who said, it'll be three days rest, but I'm ready. Give me the ball. Included Drew Pomerantz, who hasn't thrown in a game since September 30th, hasn't started since August 7th. 
And it included Eduardo Rodriguez, who I think got one out or a yeah. couple outs last yep. night and could probably give him three or four innings if they wanted to start and end up with a bullpen game. So all three of those guys, all lefties, you know, are options. The, the, the careful part is that um, we're in the midst of three games in a row. Yes. So uh, for that, you, for 18 innings to come in game one of those right. three is brutal. Right. So you have two games to manage your bullpen before you have a day off. And that is essential here, and that's that's going to be impactful as to uh, how this game is managed tonight. That they're going to want for the first time, they're going to be able to say to the analytics people, "Hey, go sit in the corner, twirl that twirly thing on the top of your cap, and don't bother me because I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to get." more innings out of my starting pitcher. My partner, Goose Gossage here. I'm I'm going to have to get more innings out of my starting pitcher tonight because I have a bullpen that I have to pay attention to for a very important game five tomorrow. Well, this is what's fascinating, and you know it. You say it. You said it with Dan Evans that it's always the blend. What's fascinating to me is taking all the analytics and using them as you do, because who turns down knowledge? But then how much do you value that as you're also valuing my guy's got a bit of a bum flipper or he's got the sniffles or he went a little too hard last night or he's uh, he's a little afraid of the moment, perhaps. Or like all those human issues, they, they matter. It all matters. That's what's fascinating to me. I have your Cubs closer for 2019. Cubs closer 2019. I suspect it is not Pedro Strope. Are you saying it's not Brandon Morrow? It, it, it can't be. You can't count can't on Can't trust him. him? It's Nathan Ivaldi. Oh, now that is a guy who could write his own ticket in terms of where he wants to go. Three years, $30 million. Let's go. Boy, Ivaldi's been brilliant, but he's had Tommy John surgery twice and is now being used and abused by Alex Cora, much in the way that Brandon Morrow was. Exhaust the man as a free agent to be. Matt, Scary, we, but we, awfully good. We thank Zach Withers for a job well done. A great job as always producing this show. We thank Danny Evans for his contributions. Matt Davidson, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I write on the website Cubs and Sox all week long. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. Enjoy. Sucking with Rosen. <laughs> Saturday Suckage is next with Steve Rosenblum and me, Matt Spiegel. I will stick around. Have a great five minutes, everybody. Bruce, you have a good day. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is Electrified Diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.